Hello and welcome to another episode of the Solo Powered Podcast with me, Ariana Dunn. Before we kick into this week's episode, just wanted to come on and again, thank you all for listening, for tuning in. Um, I've seen a big surgence in weekly listeners, um, which I'm really, really grateful about. Um, I've been promoting the podcast across TV and radio and magazines, so doing my best to promote it. Uh, The Irish Podcast Awards are also taking place and they are at the moment looking for listener votes for the uh, best podcast as voted by you the listener so if you were so inclined and wanted to maybe get my little podcast recognized by the irish podcast awards you could go on to google irishpodcastawards.ie and in the little search box you can type in solo powered and you can give my little podcast a vote, which would be um, super amazing, and I would really be grateful for that. Um, I it's the Irish Podcast Awards. <laughs> if you wanted to go on and do that, um, I've had lots of people get in touch as well about potentially wanting to come on as a guest, and also some suggestions of guests as well. So do please keep them coming. Um, If anyone is interested in working with me from a coaching capacity, I've had lots of lovely letters from people talking about maybe wanting to set up their own business or to go solo traveling by themselves. And if that is something that you feel you might need some coaching help with, then definitely please get in touch. ArianaDunn.com is my website. You can contact me at ask underscore Ariana Dunn on Instagram and on LinkedIn as well. Lastly, I've got a couple of spots available on my Mindstream Life Coaching Certificate course. So if anyone is interested in bettering themselves, learning some new skills, learning some listening skills, some questioning skills, and just tipping their dipping their toe into the world of coaching um, as potentially another business, another revenue stream, or a way in which you can improve your current role, um, definitely get in touch as there are some spaces on our September course on the 9th and the 10th. So um, I'm going to kick into the next episode now just to say that tomorrow is International World Dog Day. So the, the guest that I have on this episode is extremely apt. It was also my beloved Molly's fifth birthday this week. Um, so I'm really excited for you to tune in and listen to the fabulous John Garstang talk all about uh dogs and shelter dogs, rehoming dogs, how to get the best dog for you and how a dog could be the best little companion for you if you are a solower in this world, if you are living the solo life, then a dog could potentially be one of the greatest joys that your life could 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 have could bring it gets you out it gets you out and about it gets you meeting people gets you chatting to people it's the most amazing company um, and it gives me the most amount of joy is having my beautiful dog molly who is looking at me with very big puppy dog eyes now wanting to go for a walk so i'm going to wrap this up and let you enjoy the episode with the fabulous john garstein thanks as always for listening i really really appreciate it 
and welcome to another episode of the Solo Powered Podcast with me, Ariana Dunn. This is a podcast that celebrates doing things solo, whether that be solo travel, solo business, solo journey to parenthood, single by choice, solo adventures, or solo pursuits of passion. Remember, this is not about living a lonely life. This is about living the most full life on your terms. So I have talked an awful lot throughout this podcast, but also on my own social media channels and um, about my journey through Europe last year, talking about my very faithful companion, my little dog, Molly. Um, I got some backlash sometimes from people when I talked about being on a solo travel adventure and people would say, well, you're not alone because you have your dog. And it is very, very true. Molly was by my side um, all of the time and I had a particularly wonderful time with her in Europe, which is extremely pet friendly, um, unlike in Ireland where she's not really allowed into many places, but in Europe, she was allowed into restaurants and bars and supermarkets. Um, she was a great source of companionship, friendship, but also protection as well. Um, something I know a lot of listeners who are solo and are going through a solo life are sometimes held back by fear when it comes to doing things on their own. So from my perspective, having a dog, living alone, uh, traveling and um just in terms of kind of companionship, having a dog is a really good asset for anyone who's living the, the solo life. Um, why am I talking all about Molly and dogs? Well, my guest for the uh, podcast episode this week is the wonderful John Garstang. John is someone that I've known for probably nearly 20 years now. He uh, is a friend of my friend Emer living over in London. They went to Royal, the prestigious Royal Holloway University together. Um, and John at the time was a young student in a band and um, having lots of fun and it's he's had a very interesting career journey as what can only be described as a dog whisperer. John is very involved in um, training dogs, in uh, helping uh, dog shelters around the world um, to rehome dogs, dogs and to try and educate um, and encourage people to have a more positive attitude when it comes to uh, dog training, dog energy and just in general treatment of animals um, around the world. John is also a solopreneur. He has several different companies, one called um, For Dog's Sake. He's also now working with the Greek Ministry in Rode. Um, on a project called the Positive Pet Project, working in schools. He's written a book. He is an all-round talented man, also a musician. Um, and he moved over to the Island of Rhodes a couple of years ago um, to live a new life, which again, I suppose, is something that many people have contacted me since I started this podcast, wanting to pick up and leave and maybe go live in sunnier climes. Um, and a lot of those people are looking to do that on their own. So I'm sure John will be able to offer some insights. While he didn't go on his own, he was there, is there with his family. He might have some insights on what life is like on the continent, living on a sunny island in Rhodes in Greece. So with that introduction, John, you're very welcome on to Solo Power Podcast. Thank you so much. Hello, Ariana. It's an absolute pleasure. It's lovely to be back in contact. Um, obviously, we sing each other in a slightly different context to the the wild parties of our of our youth now obviously we're so grown up uh, it's terrifying it's, it's lovely to uh, to reconnect and it's so wonderful to hear that you are doing something which is really close to my heart regarding 
your journey, your podcast, your uh, love of uh, dogs, and uh, and I'm I'm honoured to uh, to be on your podcast. Thank you so much. I had my my head down when I'm doing that because I I don't like to look at my guests when I'm doing that introduction, and I have to remember all of the things I want to say as well. So, um, but yeah, no, it's amazing, and it's it's you know I'm such an animal lover and. Um, I was, you know, when we were chatting during the week, I was saying, you know, I I, I can't even look at ads for dogs trusts and things like that because it just absolutely breaks my heart. So it's been so lovely and heartwarming to see the work that you do with animals um, across your different social media platforms um, that you've been doing over the years. But maybe like take me back, take me back to those those heady days. How did your kind of involvement in working with animals and dogs kind of start from the very beginning? Like, where did all of that kind of come from? Um, well, I've, I've always grown up in a, a very kind of uh, outdoorsy family. Um, I always, I mean, the classic cliche, I always had dogs when I was young. Uh, I also was lucky enough to um, do some stable work in Austria in a, in a riding school when I was younger and I became really attached not just to the animals but to the people that were spending time with the animals and uh, the whole thing just felt like a perfect fit for me. The actual uh, moment when I got involved with working with dogs first of all was very much a sliding doors moment. Uh, I'd moved to a new city, I'd been given a new job but the company I worked for after two months uh, went into administration so I lost the job and I was in a new place and they gave me like a month's payment and I was completely like what am I going to do now uh, and it was one of those moments where I'd left my apartment and I'd have forgotten a book so I'd run back upstairs and as I ran back down I ran into a guy as I came out the door and he was working for a, a, a dog care service and he was looking for an employee and he was on his way to the uh, newspaper office to put an advert in the newspaper wow I got talking to him and I said look well I've just lost my job I've been working with uh, I've been I've been spending time with dogs and animals for for all my life. I'm in a new city. Uh, it was the beginning of summer. I was like, don't go and put the advert in. Why don't you just interview me? Uh, and that evening, him and his wife interviewed me, and they gave me the job. And that's wow. when I started off. Wow, wow, that's amazing. I love that. It reminds me though of when I first got Molly. Um, I got Molly two days after I quit my corporate job and started working for myself. Um, because I was always, always, I'd had a, a dog, always had dogs, family dogs growing up. Um, my dog Cuddles, who I had for seventeen years, was absolutely devastating when she passed away, and I always wanted to have my own dog. But because I worked nine to five, work corporate lifestyle, um, I never got the opportunity to do that. I didn't want to have a dog on its own all day. So two days after I quit my corporate job, I I got Molly and. Um, I was up in the dog park and people were saying to me oh it's such a big responsibility having a dog and you're mad working by yourself what are you doing quitting your you know anyway went up to the dog park and the very first dog that Molly played with in the park was a little puppy called Lucy and um, Lucy's owner came over and we started chatting and turns out she needed somebody to walk her dog and she was going to be working full-time so the next day I went around to her house and she gave me a key to her house and I ended up walking Molly and Lucy every day, which I was going to be doing for free anyway. But she paid me 120 euros a month, which paid for my car loan. And I got to have a, a, a doggy companion for Molly and uh, I got to get extra money. And, you know, I suppose the moral of that is that like, you know, those sliding doors moments, it's just that there's always opportunities for you to 
meet people and make money but then also because of that friendship that we had I had someone to mind Molly and she had someone to mind Lucy and you can always kind of find people in your community find people who you can kind of lean upon to be able to make dog ownership work right it doesn't always have to be something that is is very difficult there's lots of people and lots of support that you can find in terms of in terms of that you know um but yeah so so tell me so so you get this job and and what happens do you need to have kind of qualifications or or, or how does that work for you to, to do all of the things that you've done subsequently? Well, I think that one of the really important points you've made and, and one of the things that I love about the work that I do uh, is uh, dogs are a great leveller. Mm. Um, and I'm t- because, you know, if you come from uh, certain societies and backgrounds, you know, the, the people can be quite classist and they can look down at you if you speak a certain way or do a certain thing. But as soon as a dog comes into the equation, that gets completely forgotten. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, the dog becomes the, the the constant in the relationship and that's one of the things i love about it the most um it strips away all the preconceptions we have and it's uh it's it's a great for especially for people who are a little bit uh, shy mm-hmm. uh, or you're traveling is a great example it's a it's a it's something that means you don't have to break the ice you don't mm-hmm. have to go up to some stranger and say hi you know yeah. you, the dog is the icebreaker and everything else is easy and it just shows how in some ways human as human beings we are actually really anxious and keen to to uh, connect to other people especially in a kind of disconnected world um so uh it's like the ultimate antidote to that yeah so um so yeah when i when i first started working with uh animals i found that um because of my natural propensity and uh, enjoyment of meeting people uh, I would see the the mirror immediately of the dog's behavior to the to the person. And, you know, I would see, for example, sometimes an, an older person, elderly person would have a young dog, but the dog would behave more like an old dog because of the person it was hanging with. But you also get the opposite. You get a rescue dog and it's eight, nine years old and it goes and hangs out with a long young family and maybe a pup and it becomes uh, it becomes young again. So I found that really, really interesting. Uh, and for me, the, the dog bit is only a very smaller part of the equation um it's not about the dog per se it's about the relationship we have with the dog and what that says about us so mm-hmm. that was always my interest and i every single person i met from the beginning when i just started taking dogs out in groups it ma- made perfect sense to me that um if i was going to explore uh that relationship then that was going to be the thing that i wanted to do the most so i got to hang out with uh, with dog experts dog trainers in bristol initially I made uh, some contacts with some people who were quite big in the in the dog scene. And also I found out pretty quickly there were elements of that world that I didn't want to get involved in because of the politics. And, you know, I'm not interested in, in, in puffs or anything like that. You know, I, I like mongrels and I like I like the any kind of animal that has a personality. And uh, and I just didn't like that kind of elitist kind of uh, thing. So I, I, I felt immediately that I was going to be going down the route of... Uh, of working in uh, in shelters and helping uh, rehome dogs and rehabilitating them. And I became very interested in, I read probably one of the most seminal uh, dog training books of all time, which is Don't Shoot the Dog by Karen Pryor, which I, I if anyone's interested in uh, in um, any kind of animal training. And I've read this and I'm, I, I, I can't qualify it 100%, but apparently it was written as not as a dog training book because it's about reinforcement. It's about classical conditioning, operant conditioning, about uh, physiological change. And that's what really interested me because I I would see da- damaged animals and I would realize that, you know, they, they need an arm around them. They need to be shown uh, 
uh, that associations can be positive with humans and gently bring them around to socializing and building a network and um, it was something that I was really passionate about from the beginning. And everything changed when a friend of mine who runs an elephant orphanage, so I went to university with a, this girl, Rachel, uh, who's one of my best friends. She, uh, I think she did zoology and marine biology. So she was working with seals in, in Alaska and she was working with orangutans in, in Borneo. And then she was she went to run an elephant orphanage uh, in, in Zambia. She contacted me about going to Zambia to help with the uh, animal welfare society there and I went I just dropped everything and went completely self-funded and then uh, from the back of that uh, because it was, everything was new <laughs> I'd never done anything like it before but I was the most experienced person there by far uh, and I realized that not only did I thrive in that kind of uh, environment but uh, it was something that was really close to my heart and that's when I knew that um, I had to be doing stuff with uh, rescue animals Wow. And how long after the sliding doors moment of kind of being offered that job from your your neighbor to, you know, looking after elephants in Zambia? <laughs> What's uh, the... that was, well, it was 20, 2005 where I, when I started um, working with with dogs and then uh, I went to uh, Zambia in 2011. OK, right. OK. Wow. So. Um, so talk to us about what was that like? I mean, because I know that you've done some time in India and, and Africa. Yeah. So like when you're, are you working with all kinds of animals? I mean, we're focusing no. here on dogs, but yeah. <laughs> no, I, but I was, I was working with dogs and cats and right. three animals. But the point is, you know, when, when Rachel took over at the Elephant Orphanage, she had to uh, put a system in place. So what happens is uh, poachers will... Uh, Get the tusks from the mum or dad or whatever, and then the but the rest of the herd will generally leave the mm. the babies. They leave the babies, and it's, and her job was to identify where these babies are, mm. normally from uh, information from people that live in villages, and then they go and find these uh, baby elephants and they take them back to the place in Kafue National Park and they rehabilitate them. Wow! And um, I was very very privileged to to go and and see and feed and meet these baby elephants in it because it's not open to the public this kind of thing but it's bang in the middle of the bushes it's an unbelievably wild environment and um what i learned from rachel and, and this is the great thing about doing anything like this because often you're doing something for the first time in the context of what you're doing and again this is a good kind of metaphor to uh people that are solo entrepreneurs or solo solo travelers you you kind of uh, you're backing yourself to do things on on a on the wing you know on on, on the fly mm. And uh, she put systems in place to, to make sure to make the there was nothing with no time was wasted. No resources were wasted in um, in making these elephants easily rehabilitated into the wild. So I was watching everything that she was doing and noticing things. And I think that when you um, when you do this kind of work, you should always be looking to learn from everyone you meet. And, and, and often in the animal wealth of this world, there's a bizarre kind of one upmanship and, and, and rivalry and. Uh, antipathy towards uh, human beings and this is I, I think this is very unhelpful and that's one of the things I, I rally against in my work mm. not always very popular but, uh, but I, I'm a big believer in humanity and it seems that and which is ironic that you're a big believer in humanity and then working so closely with animals <laughs> but uh no I know what you mean that 
the the thing that always strikes me with elephants particularly baby elephants is how playful that they are and and how like like little puppies that they kind of have big puppies they seem to be there there is there does seem to be a connection between little elephants and and dogs in that way right they're very playful and you know yeah the, the, but like the, the the size of cows um <laughs> and uh and the, and the thing is african elephants are one of the most dangerous animals in the yeah. world yeah. Um, and, and the great thing about when you, I mean, it's, it's obviously tragic that you have to, that the job has to be done in the first place. But the, the, the great thing about it is you get to see these animals that are untainted. They haven't had that cynicism passed down, um, you know, through osmosis, you know, hanging out with uh, elder elephants because, you know, they've been poached for, you know, thousands of years. And so, uh, you know, when you see a baby elephant and it looks at you like you're part of its family, it's, it's a very special uh it's a very very special thing. I mean, I've 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 spent time with uh, uh, elephants in in Asia as well, but they're not the they're they're, they're a completely different ball game. And and the, and to 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 spend time with a wild uh, African elephant is real privilege. Yes. Yeah, wow, amazing. Yeah. So obviously, you're not phased by Great Danes or uh, <laughs> or any of the bigger. <laughs> uh, well, no. Do you know what Great Danes are? They're a walk in the park and. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's the the dogs that I'm I'm dealing with recently, and uh, some of the 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 guarding shepherding breeds from around here, the Caucasian Anatolian shepherds, Caucasian shepherds, Greek shepherds. These are really interesting animals. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, so 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 you so yeah so you went from so from you're in Zambia. When 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 tell me a little bit about the things that you did in Asia as well, because I know do you work with shelters over there as well? I mean, I know this like. Yeah, I was working in the Lusaka. Lusaka is the capital of Zambia. I was in the Lusaka Animal Welfare Association, and it was um, it was just a matter of uh, them trusting me to mm. uh, to go with my instinct and allowing me to put new protocols in place. And having worked a lot with packs of of dogs, you know, you a, a pack is a, it's a it's a living, breathing, moving, uh, mm. you know, shifting thing. So uh, you get the more you time you spend with groups of dogs, the more you feel, you see the patterns and you see the shifts and you see the context that changes things. And and when I suddenly went into shelters and could see that when you put a group of dogs together, it might not, it might be detrimental to their uh, ability to be rehomed if they were spending time with dogs that didn't bring out the best in them. Does that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Very similar to how you would if you were putting a kid in a school in a, in a primary oh, school right. group, whatever. So you, what you're trying to do is you're trying to bring put dogs together that bring the best out of each other, and uh, and uh, and and this has a physiological change. It you know it makes the dog happier. It brings the heart rate down. It it fires up the right uh, the right parts of the brain, um, and it's just a happier animal. It eats better. It sleeps better, and all of these things add up to a happier dog. So, mm. uh, a big part of my work initially was just to do that. It was a, it was to take a few breaths, get my emotions out of it a little bit. Have a look at the uh, the lie of the land and try and put the dogs together in the right places. And then I had to, of course, if they want to go to homes, they need to be. They need, these dogs have never had collars on them in their lives. You know, these are street dogs from Africa, so you have to get them used to being handled. You have to get used to touching their ears, touching their necks, putting a collar on, taking it off, putting it on, putting a leash on. This takes a lot of time, but you have to be committed to it and you have to do it every day. So the dog starts to think that this is a natural and nice thing, and I'm looking forward to. John coming tomorrow and putting the leash on, going out. And I actually, I, where the shelter was uh, in, in Zambia was uh, just outside the main city. And it was on this massive industrial estate. 
and they were on this industrial estate they were building a, a shopping center so there was like thousands of workers that were picked up every day in buses from villages thousands and thousands of people uh local uh african guys and girls and and, they, and had it they were, it was like a little shanty village they all had their food being cooked and they were there for the day and that was their money and and I was this Mzungu, this white guy, who they probably didn't see very much of anyway. And all of a sudden, I was walking around their industrial estate with six dogs on leashes. Oh, and, and these people, a lot of them have very negative uh, connotations and ideas about dogs because of the, for obvious reasons, you know, they've been used by people that have, um, you know, persecuted them and whatever. And so it, it, at first, it was just like, it was the part of the Red Sea. I'd be walking along with these dogs on leashes and people would just be like, oh my God, what is going on? But after doing this for days and weeks and, you know, if people would get more and more intrigued, they'd start coming up to the dogs and I started getting to know them all. But it was incredibly surreal. Wow. And I absolutely loved it. You know, wow. I'm not to say I want to be the centre of attention, but, wow. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was, a, you know, once in a lifetime kind of experience. And where would you be rehoming these dogs then? So where, where would they be going to? Well, the great thing about Zambia is it's, even though it's like South Central uh, Africa and it's surrounded by, I think, eight, nine different countries, and some of them uh, are more unstable than others. You, you've got Angola and you've got um, Congo and either. But Zambia is a, is a country which is incredibly safe um, mm. because there's not uh, a lot of fighting between the different uh, factions in there. And uh, people are actually very friendly to each other. And it's a pretty safe country. And um, so, uh, there was an emerging uh, kind of cl uh, middle class people coming up that really wanted to start owning their own homes and doing their own stuff, mm -hmm. uh, getting jobs in the city, working in in uh, banks or whatever shops, and uh, you know a lot of them liked the idea of having a dog, and it was like okay. a new thing, it was, you know. And so it, it was it wasn't just selling them to, to to the white people there; it was selling them to to everyone. So people would come in uh, to the shelter, and it would be scary at first because when you go into a shelter, if the, if it's chaos no one's going to want to spend time in there and get a dog. Mm. So it's a matter of trying to give the dogs that calmness by teaching them calmness is rewarded, you know, like being calm is good and uh, and, and making the dogs exercised and stimulated makes everything calmer and that therefore is a nicer place for people to go in and visit. So that's kind of what I tried to cultivate there. Wow, amazing, gosh. And so how how many, how long were you there doing that? I was there for four months. Okay, wow. Um, and then, so, I mean, like, it's just an amazing thing that you do is to try and help, like, these animals to get, get off the street and to be socialized and to become more domesticated and then to offer people who do want to have a, a, a dog either for companion purposes or for protection or for security or whatever it might be, um, to be able to kind of to, to, to do that. And then did you come back to Ireland or not Ireland? Did you go back to the UK after that or, 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 or where did you go? Yeah, I, I came back to England. I, I planned to go back to uh, to Africa quite quickly, but uh, but I met uh, my partner who I'm who we're together with now with our little boy, and uh, and uh, and it was it became clear that that Ozzy was going to be born, my son, and uh, and my partner didn't was sold one hundred percent on the idea of just going to a place she'd never been before and having a kid there, and and uh, so that was. Uh, that means I kind of had to pivot a little bit. I, I was still sure that I wanted to work uh, in in animal um, in animal welfare. It was just about finding the right position in which to do it. So, um, but then, like, I had a bit of a 
uh, an issue with um, I was working a lot and I was but I was working with dogs so much that it was <laughs> I was like dreaming about rescuing dogs losing dogs so I was almost like living my daytime job in my sleep and I, mean, I was everything was just about dogs and that was the only thing that people wanted to talk about and it started to it started to do my head in a bit to be honest mm-hmm. I mean actually being with the animals is incredible but I I thought at one point I, <laughs> it's amazing how we can delude ourselves that I I, I was going to just like I was going to knock the dog thing on the head and because uh, it was just too much and uh, so I I went and did the a cliche thing I went and trained uh, to be a yoga instructor okay because that's what the world needs more of <laughs> uh, and uh, and so I started training um, and as I decided that I wanted to do that I decided also that it was time for me to get out of the UK and and, and try and find a new life so. I was visiting my cousin Patrick in uh, in in uh, in Rhodes, um, where he was working as a windsurf instructor. And I just thought, when I was there, I was on holiday on my own. I thought, like, you know, I need to get out of England. I want to just start anew. Um, and so I'm going to go home. I'm going to do this six month uh, intensive course. And in that six months, I'm going to find someone to take over my business. And I'm just going to get up sticks and get out and move and I'm not going to think about it too much I'm not going to sit around a map and procrastinate about where I should move to and why I'm just going to take a little bit of the money I've made from my work and I'm going to get out there and I'm going to start from scratch and I'm back myself and uh we'll see what happens so I just I kind of did that um and everything went really smoothly I got my my qualification I got someone to take over my my business like it, but it wasn't doing the same thing as me it was just dog walking and dog minding so they took over that and I stayed on if I, if I needed to as a consultant or whatever and I ended up moving to Rhodes on the day of the Brexit referendum vote by pure coincidence on the actual day which is bonkers uh, but within a few months of being there I was doing my yoga on the beach and it was all good and it was all idyllic and you know I was on the paddle boards doing headstands and you know it was great but it became clear, and this is the the great the bl- blessing and the curse of social media. People were, you know, I was a strange guy. Most people that move to a place like Rhodes are retirees. You know, they're mm-hmm. in their 60s or whatever. So people were, like, trying to work out what who I was, and they were Googling me. And, stuff. and then they found out that I was working with dogs. So obviously what happened straight away? Oh, uh, I've got a dog. <laughs> da, 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 da. Have you thought about doing this here? And within about three months of arriving in Rhodes, I was back on back on the horse, so to speak. Um, and, and it was great. I did actually have like, I think maybe a two month break from working with dogs. <laughs> I still had my darlings that I bought over from England that, that live, that one of them is looking at me right now, actually over there. Um, and uh, and I, I, went, I got back into it and that little tiny break was exactly what I needed because I, I, I was in a different place and uh, I was the only person really on the whole island doing any kind of positive reinforcement training uh, that had experience of working in other places, had a bit of a fresh perspective on things. And uh, and yeah, I needed that little break and it was fantastic that I had it because when I got back into something and, and that, you know, I just want to say to anyone watching that feels a bit fed up with sometimes, you know, don't rule out going back to things sometimes, you know, mm. sometimes it's good just to take a break and mm. uh, some perspective. And then when you come back to it, you know, you, you can throw yourself back into it with uh, passion and uh, amazing oh my god there's so many things there I like and it's so inspiring listening to you because like you kind of epitomize a lot of 
memes that people that you see about like when I'm you know when I'm old and it's just like if someone is like surrounded by like a pack of dogs where they're just like you know people have this dream of like retiring and just like living in this like animal shelter or like you know opening an animal shelter and just surrounding themselves with animals and also the idea of like living on a beautiful Greek island is also a big fantasy of a lot of people's but then also becoming a yoga instructor and an instructor and doing all of that so like I can't tell you the amount of messages I've gotten since I launched this podcast from people who are saying that you know, all they want to do is kind of move away, live on the Mediterranean, live under the sun and do a job that they enjoy doing, do a job that they love. And so it's so great to hear your experiences of someone who, while it hasn't always been easy, and as you said, you know, you're, you're, you was doing your head in at times, um, that essentially you're doing something that is really good for the world. You're, you're doing something that's really good for humanity, for animals, um, but also something that you're you're passionate about and that you really enjoy doing and um, it's so inspiring to see that because I think as a, as a life coach for me I have so many clients coming to me not doing things that they're passionate about and not doing things that they love because they don't think that that's possible that it's not you know and and of course I'm sure that there are sacrifices that you've had to make along the way I'm sure it hasn't always been easy I'm sure you know uh, working in in that type of, of an environment maybe doesn't come with a million dollar price tag in terms of like income or anything like that but it it's not about that anyway it's about you know being happy and uh, creating a life for you that that fulfills you doing things that you that you're, you're happy doing which which am I right in saying you, you have you have found the key to that uh, we, you know, you don't take certain things with you, and I think uh, also what's very grounding is having a having a, a kid and uh, yeah. and realize and, and 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 if you're around animals all the time, and then you're also around a kid, you you start to you're around uh, you share share the space with uh, with beings that are living in the present moment, you know, and uh, you know people pay tens of thousands of uh, dollars to go on courses to learn to live in the present, which is kind of that's understandable, but you know at the same time it's it's it is just about taking each breath of uh, each moment at a time and uh, and realizing you don't get to take things with you and um you know the, the, the time in which it is for my son to start not wanting to hang out with me anymore and not want to hold my hand when he goes to bed and wanting me to read him a story is going to be over it's going to mm -hmm. be over at some point and at the moment um i do get to do those things most of the time when i'm not uh, you know running around like a lunatic and that's that is a huge privilege. It's a mm. huge, huge privilege. And when you're with a, the dog, working with the dog training or with a pack, if you're not present, they know it instinctively. If you go out with a pack of dogs and you and you, you take a phone call and you start engaging in the phone call, you're going to lose all those dogs. <laughs> and I know because I've I've had it happen. And it's just it's miraculous uh, how they seem to just know like you're not here with us, so we don't really want to be here with you um and it's you know it's you have times when you get home from and you're tired and your kids trying to tell you about picture they've drawn or what they've been reading if you and you you either need to be like really honest and say look i need to go for a lie down talk to me mm. later but don't be like half there and half mm. not and obviously we all do that but it, it it is objectively fundamentally rubbish to do this i mm, know so you know, i think just yeah, I think you know from a microcosmic scale, you look at you look at engagement, being present, uh, and then you, if you want to, you know, look at that on a blown up scale, it's about how you just have, how you choose to to live your life and um, and engage with the present moment. And you're right, like you know, I make a fraction of the money I used to make back in uh, 
in England, but um, you can't put a price on certain things that, that happen. I mean, I was committed to being a professional musician when I was young, and I, I stopped playing music between the age of like 23 and 36. Uh, uh, and then I got back into it. I came here. Now I'm 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 a, I'm a professional musician as well. So wow. you know I'm playing four or five nights a week with a, with some British guys, and you know it's a huge part of my life again now. And I I always say it's my midlife crisis because I can't afford a Porsche. Um, so <laughs> I I just I'm just playing a rock band in the evenings, and that's why we're the animal <laughs> stuff. So it's you know cramming as much stuff as I can into uh, into my life and and trying to enjoy it as much as I can amazing it's so good it's so lovely to hear um and I think as I say it's an inspiration for people who kind of think of wanting to kind of give up uh on the career that they have to do something else and I think you know people do worry about where where does the money where is the money going to come from and how, am I going to be successful with this and but what I always say to people is that if you have a growth mindset, if you have an open mindset in terms of being willing to put yourself out there, to talk to people, to um, look at what your skills, where your skill set lies, look at how to, you can diversify. I mean, as you said, and, and I think a lot of people that I've had on this podcast as guests have come accidentally to their uh, careers, right? So you, you certainly did come accidentally to yours in, in terms of that sliding doors moment. But even when you try to step away from the from the dog kind of world, uh, so to speak, you, you were pulled back into it because it, it people were finding out that this was who who you are. I had Phoebe Foran on the podcast who talked about she's a green witch. She makes little potions. She ended up creating a, a company called Forager because people would be stopping her in Super Value in the supermarket saying, are you the little are you the little green witch who's making these little potions? And I have a bit of, you know, dry skin now here. And can you do that? And then she, you know, grew her business from there. And a friend, you know, who calls herself the accidental florist um, who was on the podcast as well, because she started making like little flower crowns for her friends. And then suddenly they were all asking her to do it for events. And now she's one of the most successful florists in Ireland. Right. So wow. like these things kind of happen. Um, and when you're when you're passionate and good and you're drawn to something, it also gets drawn to you. And, you know, you can fight it as much as you want. But ultimately, um, you you know, these things kind of continue to to, to pull you in. And um, I, I think as well, like for anybody who's starting and who, who doesn't know what to do with their life. I mean, there's such big business in the animal <laughs> world at the moment. I'm always saying to people, if you have a back garden, start a pet minding business, a dog minding business. It's so difficult for me to find people now to mind Molly, you know, and, and particularly for people going to the office or needing to go away on holidays. There's there's big opportunities for people to be able to do it I mean what would be your advice for anyone looking at maybe working with animals or working with with dogs in, in that regard well I think um you've got to uh do it for the right reasons like anything you've got to do yeah. it because it, it it's uh it's a passion you have to have and and you also have to realize that it's it's it is a huge responsibility and mm -hmm. are you willing to uh accept that things don't always go as you want them to with animals mm -hmm. um you know uh that's a huge thing uh, you have to really plan you have to get all the things in place so you don't it's a pre prevention rather than cure situation mm -hmm. basically um and 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 be realistic start off uh, i mean we, we live in the, the the age of the cockapoo you know uh, uh, and uh, you know dog, dogs like that are great for uh for, for beginner animal people because they're generally quite fluffy and a bit kind of like you know they're not going to be mauling each other 
um, you know, or wanting to jump over five fences just to, to chase a bird they see. Um, and uh, they're generally owned by like more placid types of people. You're not going to get like some like heavy metal lunatic biker who's got a cockapoo generally. Uh, you know, you, it, so there are, there are patterns. And so if you want to start off, uh, you know, simple, like I've got, I'm, I've got generally eight or nine dogs at my house at any one time. I've got four of my own. I've got a, a, a husky in the garden. Having a husky in, in Greece is, 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 is ridiculous, but it's not my job to judge the person who has it. It's my job to look after it and try and do some training with it. And then I've got a chocolate Labrador in the garden. And, you know, these are all uh, of an age. Uh, and they're of, they're of a, a, a sex or they've been neutered and I have to take all these things into consideration before I put them together and then I have to manage the dynamic so I generally introduce them in a neutral space so there's no territorial um, stuff and then you have to make sure that the the introduction is spot on because it's like first impressions you know you walk into a, a meeting and you're belching or you know <laughs> picking your scene or you know they're gonna think oh that's that and, and this can happen with uh, with dogs as well you know you make a you, if you don't get the introductions right uh, and you don't know what you're doing then that dog could have a, uh, a poor association with another animal and therefore you it, it can become a vicious circle where the dog becomes reactive constantly mm. uh, and uh, you, you don't want that so you know you kind of it's good to start small um obviously always look for some kind of mentoring uh, person always always try and work or, or or be inspired by someone who knows more than you mm. because that's where you're going to grow um uh, read a lot follow uh, you know find someone who you like find out who trained them follow, find out what books they read um and try and follow the path because if you just go on youtube and you type in dog care advice you, it's just it, it's it's the par paradox of choice you're going to get your head's going to spin and there's a lot of rubbish on there Mm. um so try and find a philosophy that you stick with so you know if you want to be uh kind, just kind and not use any negative reinforcement mm. and you, or you want to uh follow um uh, a path which is all about um a certain type of training so i like to use a lot of classical conditioning um just because it's really good for making the dog become more balanced so i'm i'm not really interested in getting a clicker and some cheese and making a dog do backflips because, you know, if if you know how that works and your timing is good, anyone can do that. Mm. Uh, but what I'm interested in is is much more about uh, creating the, the right philosophy in the heads of the people that have the dog and teaching people that it's about forming a team. It's about forming an alliance where you're working together and you're, you know, you're, you're together. In, in mm. this. It's like exactly like you were with Molly. It's not mm. about, hey, you will, you know, you, you're with me. It's like we're, we're doing this together. And, mm. Uh, mm. and this is because there's too much loaded terminology when it comes to dog alpha and, and domination and all this kind of stuff and this is all i don't know perpetuated by quite insecure people i think mm. i think if you think about you know in terms of uh you know you're a benevolent uh you know you're a benevolent kind of uh member of the family that can show because animals dogs need to be shown what to do they don't inherently innately know what they should be doing they need to be, be shown and need to be reinforced correctly it's not about waiting for the dog to do something wrong and then saying that's wrong because that's how 90% of the people deal with things. It's about saying, hey, why don't we do this and then yeah. that work? So uh, that's a huge part of my philosophy and the, and the teachings that I have in my in my course. I have an online course which is designed mainly for people taking uh, dogs from shelters and they don't know what they're doing. It's about getting the household right, getting the environment right, 
So when the dog comes in, it's like, wow, I feel good. I mm. feel safe. They're going to leave me alone when I need to be left alone. They're going to give me affection when I need it. They're going to give me direction when I need it. I'm going to be stimulated. I'm going to be, I'm going to have strong associations. I'm going to physiologically feel calm, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, these are, this is stuff from you know, 17, 18 years of experience. Wow. Um, and I suppose, you know, I started off kind of like asking a question about advice for, for people maybe starting their own, wanting to maybe work with animals, but actually it kind of evolved into an, an even better answer in terms of a question that I wanted to ask as well in terms of dog ownership. So advice that you would give to people in relation to, and as I sort of introed at the top of the podcast episode, talking about solo living, people living solo lives and wanting to maybe have a dog for companionship or mm. to have a dog for that extra level of sort of safety or security you know molly bless her she's the cutest little thing and she'd lick anyone to death but she she has a little bark on her when you know i mean i have airbnb guests and and some came home at four in the morning the other night and she was you know she was barking she was standing between me and the door to protect me <laughs> yeah. and she's terrified herself but she's you know she 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 can make a lot of noise when she when she needs to and um, which has always been a, a a source of kind of safety for me in that way you know um but yeah what advice would you have for anyone maybe a solo maybe not but someone thinking about getting a dog maybe for the first time um as I imagine number one on that is for you going to be going to a rescue right going to a shelter and really yeah I, 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 I would say just to just to bring something to the last thing you said about feeling yeah. uh, safe it, it's it's not just about the fact that dogs are there to make you feel safe it's about what the dog gives you Absolutely. in terms of your physio 100%. physiology and even if that's just a five percent increase in your confidence that makes you less of a target in some ways exactly uh, it's like it's just walking with your head held high kind of thing you know all that it, it just gives you that extra kind of flip that you need to to that's gonna and people see it they might not see yeah. it they might not recognize it in a, on a in a cognitive sense but it's there and these things do really matter yeah and uh, when i approach or work with uh, a dog i've never met which is pretty much every day then uh you know i want that dog to look at me and be like okay that guy's got my back and obviously if you do it over and over and over again it's impossible to quantify exactly what the dog sees uh, mm -hmm. and why it works but the dog definitely does yes yeah yeah um yeah. well you know it, it's all about preparation it's about uh, just ask yourself some questions you know ask yourself some uh, you don't have to be like you don't have to like draw a chart and everything but you know you ask yourself some serious questions about uh, about what you're doing why you're doing it um how much time you have um and uh and I, I i will always say just start reading reading some books and and if you if you want to know more and you're hungry to know more about the topic and, and what it says about you then that's always going to be a good sign um because unfortunately in my work you i've created a rod for my own back which means people will ring me and say i've decided to give up my dog after five years because it barked at my kid so can you find it at home and this is extremely offensive to me and uh, mm. and it, it, it makes people think that there's just someone there to solve all their problems for them and uh the fact is if they knew that they had a kid in the first place you know you know you, when you work when you have a child or you're gonna have a baby or whatever, there are steps you can take mm. to uh, make the transition easier mm. Uh, I'm I'm never going to say that they're completely 100% foolproof because they're not because these are animals. Mm. Um, you have to be prepared for that. But I would say do a bit of research. Uh, you know, think about all the positives you can get from it yourself. Like I can spend more time outdoors. It's a really sociable thing to have. 
Um, I'm actually going to learn more about other people. I'm going to learn a new skill set myself. It's going to, it is for sure going to, going to create a greater awareness of the world around you because you need that when you have a dog, 100% like you do when you have a kid. Mm. When you, uh, uh, and then what I would do is I would try and focus as much on building rapport. Building rapport is like the cornerstone of everything that I do. And it's, and all of the jobs that I have, whether it be the yoga teaching, the music, the writing, or, or the dog training, whatever, they're all about connection. Everything I do is about that. So it's about learning to connect with your dog. Uh, you know, are you checking in with each other? Are you noticing each other? Like you should be with, you know, the, your love with your loved ones. You know, you, you know that things are going down the down the pan if your partner comes home with a new haircut and a new <laughs> a new new dress or whatever, and you're like, what? You know, so it's about keeping that freshness, uh, and that means challenge taking challenges, trying different types of training, going on different types of walks, going to new places, meeting different people, keeping the challenges, keeping it fresh, but really work on rapport building, and that's like mm -hmm. eye contact. Because dogs aren't, they're not lying, they're daydreaming about you, you know, looking out the window. That, that's not happening. You know, when they're, when they're looking at you and engaging with you in a, in a training or otherwise environment, that's when they're focused on you. Mm. If, if you let your dog off the leash and it just runs off and, it's, and, it, and it doesn't look at you for five minutes, then you need to ask yourself some serious questions. And, and what you don't want is you don't want the dog to be so attached to you that it's, it doesn't have uh, the ability to stand on its own four paws, you know. <laughs> you need to have the... <laughs> You need to have that mixture of uh, cultivating in independence, and uh, so the dog isn't going to cry uh, when you when, and and be distressed when you leave for work. Uh, but also a dog that relies on you and looks up to you and is always going, okay, what's the next move? You know. Mm -hmm. uh, so you need to find that sweet spot, and uh, it's not actually that difficult if you know what you're doing. No, and I mean, you know, look, that's I what I'm here to do to help people do. Yeah, I I feel very lucky with Molly. Um, you know, she's the people always comment on what a smart, intelligent, happy dog that she is, and that we all we have a great connection, Molly and I. We really, really do. We have that great rapport. As was two things. One thing, and it's really interesting to me as a coach, the amount of different people that I've interviewed who who do different things. So the one of the last um the the two episodes before was a fashion stylist Kathy and a lot of the things she talked about are so similar to the world of coaching and a lot of things that you talked about there are so similar to the world of coaching as well in terms of that rapport building uh checking in with one another challenging each other um you know creating that matching mirroring kind of a thing you know I talk about all of that when I'm teaching coaching as well and and it's just it is just about connection ultimately at the end at the end of the day everything that we do in the different areas of life is about building a connection with with someone but yeah like I said I just feel really lucky with with molly she's always had exceptional recall she's primarily always off lead because she's not interested in other dogs she never jumps up on anyone she gives up things a white bird she'll come back to me immediately when i call her um, we did some agility together when she was younger. She, she's a she's a, a working dog, working spaniel. So she loves being put to work, ball catching, stick throwing. She loved doing the agility. But like that, she was connected to me. I was bad at agility. She wasn't. She was really good at it. Um, but my choreography was always a bit off, you know. Um, but she's a working it, cocker, right? She's working cocker. She's a working cocker. Yeah, she's come here, Molly. She's well, she's a cockapoo. Actually, she her mother was a cockapoo. Her father was a cockapoo. But she is. <laughs> I'll show you her now. I know this is a podcast and people can but I could, that could have been quite embarrassing if I <laughs> oh look she's oh she's um, all pissed off I woke her up from her nice little sleep 
Um, have you never heard of Let Sleeping Dogs Lie? Though? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I know, she's like, what are you doing? Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose, is it just luck that I managed to find this dog that I have that connection with or is no, it? Is, it's yeah. not. It's, right. it's not that at all. Look, um, I'm, I'm, I say quite a lot of controversial things in the in the dog world because like I grew up in a, and it probably wouldn't be massively dissimilar to, you know, how you grew up. You know, we grew yeah. up and if you grew up in a rural environment, dogs are often were just, they were outside animals. Uh, and that does not mean that they had any less affection or love from people they just basically rela most relationships rely on really strong boundary setting yeah. and it, 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 there was a time where people just went well actually you're not going to do that because that's not a thing that you do you don't come inside and go on the sofa or whatever okay if, if, if there's a thunderstorm and you're scared of course come in yes or whatever or uh, if people come around go up and say hello to them but we don't do that we don't do that if i open the car door you don't jump in just but these are things that were just a given uh and I, I i often even use the example of uh you know when you see a homeless person with a with a dog and you see the connection it's unbelievable mm -hmm. you know but that homeless person isn't spending all day you know with a clicker going yeah. right let's let's work on our rapport it's it's uh, it's a much deeper connection than that and what we do is we've overcomplicated things for ourselves by anthropomorphizing overly treating our uh, our beautiful dog companions like they're our human friends or whatever which is missing absolutely missing the whole point of like connecting with another species you know the the symbiosis of, of, is what you learn from another species you know I, I i don't want to sniff people's asses like dogs do i'm not going to be like oh I, i'll think i'll get on board with that because we're just the same me and this dog um and i'll, and I'll sometimes use that if i'm dealing with a, a, a client who isn't on board i'll be like that is disgusting what your mm. dog just did mm. he just rolled in a dead body something is a great example <laughs> you ever get your dog rolling in a in a in a you know carcass yeah yeah because they do that know, and that's yeah. great because they're dogs and dogs do that and dogs love yeah. it and it makes them really happy you ever see yeah. like a golden retriever rolling in a in a in a carcass of a dead cat oh, it couldn't be happier oh jesus but we're yeah it is exactly it's disgusting but that's what dogs like to do you know yeah. and they might see us doing certain things and think that's a bit weird so i think it's really important to kind of see them for what they they are and appreciate them for what they are and to to, to cultivate that more and more it's like you don't want your kid to be exactly like you if they like to do slightly different things to what you like to do mm, yeah no you know, we should be we should be mindful of that and, I, uh, I was very i was very clear about setting boundaries when molly was a puppy when i when i brought her home i knew how um, I needed to train her for her sake more so than anything else right so for her to be a dog that was able to be free and live her life well she had to be trained she had to be have those boundaries she had to know what what, what she could and couldn't do I suppose um, but I was very adamant that I didn't want to be one of those women who's had slept in bed with their dog with their cockapoo I was like I'm not going she's not going to be a bed dog um, and you know for those first three weeks she was ding tiny little puppy and she'd be trying to jump onto my king size bed and I would be saying no 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 um yeah. and you know by three weeks in I had a bottle of wine and I was going she's so cute and I just like <sighs> took her into my bed and now she sleeps in my bed every night but I adore sleeping with her and when she's not there or I'm not there she you know it feels weird um she's such she snores away and she's like it's such a cute fluffy little thing crazy um, crazy dog person alert yeah <laughs> But, but what I was coming around to is you said, oh, you know, was it just uh, serendipity that we met? No, it's not. It's because of what you just said. Exactly that. Like you would have 
taken the same tack with with any dog you had yeah uh, i mean if maybe if you'd had a bigger slobby more slobbery uh you know if you had like a dog de bordeaux or something less likely to be on the bed with you but yeah. you would still have that rapport and it would still have that mirroring element to the kind of person that you are right uh, and that, as i said right at the beginning of the top of the conversation about um that was the thing that i liked the most because i was always focused on the person and the effect that the dog had on the person and that that whole element um i think put me in a and quite a unique bracket in the sense of like a lot of people that, uh, that work in the animal welfare world then they're, they're not they're not so bothered about the human bit and that's kind mm. of strange to me because if you want to like if you want to work in with a guide dog or, or or train a dog for the army or whatever that's fine you know then then concentrate on the dog and just the dog but if you want to work with domesticated dogs that live in homes the the other part of the equation is is the human is like sure quite yeah. an important part of it so if, if so if you're just interested in the in the, in the dog and you're and you're jaded and and cynical about humanity then you're probably not in the right doing the right thing because you're actually passing that on uh in in some in some way so i think that you know the way you say about you, you, the boundaries and i think that's just naturally as part of your of your character anyway yeah. you know you're stoic and smart and you know it's all it's good to be i mean i wouldn't be able to do my work if i wasn't snuggly and lovely and i want to just all the time but sometimes i can't like if i go into a if i go into a dog training session i'm i'm like mr cole for the first yeah. 10 minutes uh and people are just like oh my people are acting normal but in, i can see behind their eyes they're like why aren't you talking to buster and giving him a cuddle because i'm not here for that role i'm here mm. to talk to you about what your relationship is with your dog and that's mm. that's what i do and the effect that it has on the dog is so profound and when i show people that's what's happening and why mm. the, the light bulbs go on in the head and they're like oh my god mm. you know all i'm doing is i'm feeding this dog information and and and, and I'm, I'm giving it um reinforcement for the wrong reasons and that's why it continues to behave in that way because mm. i keep telling it that i want i want more of that but they just don't realize they're doing yeah it's uh, very similar to children as well but yeah I mean people are always amazed by by Molly and I sometimes you know I was out on a foraging walk on Saturday and Molly was just making friends with everybody and he went and she was she was kind of annoying at one point that the, the person was talking and Molly kept sort of dropping the stick at someone's feet so I sort of trained her very early on that I say to her when I throw something for her I'll say this is one more time one more time we're going to do this and then I want you to go sit over there and so she kind of blinks her eyes I throw this stick she gets the stick and then she goes and she sits over there and people were like what the hell like you know and I and I'm kind of how does she know what you're saying? And well, like, yeah, that's that's brilliant. It's yeah, absolutely brilliant. yeah. So and, like, the, and a really big important thing I will say uh, is that there's a big difference between uh, giving a, an instruction yeah. and just talking to your dog. So yeah. I will say to people, don't confuse your dog by giving it loads of like, "Oi, come here! Wait, wait, wait come here, get over! We're trying to go home. Get the thing." And the dog's like. Mm. So, so have a have a word like okay, home time or whatever. But then, when you're in the car with your dog, talk to it about your yeah. day and you know tell it how you're feeling. And because you know the dog is going to get. I mean, this is where I'm brought into hippy dippy territory. But um, the the point is, I I have the the, the results and the backup to, to to show that it definitely works. Yeah. And it's just about 
giving that kind of gentle energy and showing them through your tone of your voice and your body language that you're and that you're you're trying to find a place to connect with them and it's, mm. this is a really beautiful thing to do and there is a big difference don't confuse your dog with loads and loads of controlling instructions when you mm. you can just use one word yeah and I, powerful, I think people just underestimate how uh, so intelligent that they are and how repeat you know patterns like molly is always off lead we go for walks we get to a, a road she she now sits at the you know waits you know i don't even need to necessarily tell her she just she knows and seems to be here this is where we are i have to wait for for my mom to say that i can go and then when i say go she runs and you know and so like they they they're such creatures of habit as well and they become used yeah, it's, to repetition. it's repetition yeah, it's repetition yeah, exactly it's, it's muscle memory i'm just realizing did you did you surreptitiously get me on this podcast for free dog training <laughs> Not at all. I'm sharing. <laughs> I'm sharing you with my training. Now, Wait a minute. I think what's in, no, but I think what's important is that people n- need to know that that they, you know, have the ability to connect with their dog to ensure that a dog is um is able to take command and that their behavior is, as you said, symbiotic with them. But if mm. not, there are people like you who can help with that. I mean, I I guess it's just interesting then when you do have, say, an aggressive dog why are they being aggressive is is it because they have come from an aggressive place or or do you have that dog some dogs that are just aggressive like what you know it, what's the difference there from what you're talking about this is, this is a, it's such a great like massive topic to get into right at the end of the podcast. <laughs> well if, you know you you can you can parallel it with a lot of uh, questions you would say about a person you know like you might say you know oh that guy who did all these terrible things he seemed like such a normal guy to his neighbors you right. know, kind of, and yes. it's not exactly the same but so the first the first thing to do, and this is a tip for anyone with a dog, like if your dog starts showing uh, irrational or slightly strange behavior or whatever, the first thing to do is take it to a vet and say to the vet, this is why I've come to you. Because okay. if the dog has got like a tumor here right. and it's in pain, it can't say, look, please don't touch me on my neck because it hurts. Right. But it will be giving you signals. It'll be It'll be showing you... Uh, its eyes will change. They won't be so soft. It'll yawn. It'll lick its lips. Its ears will go back. It'll tense up. Uh, and if you if you're spending enough time, um, you know, if you if you're in a relationship with someone and they and they and you say morning and they go morning, you're like that's different to how you normally say morning. So is yeah. there something wrong? Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. And it's subtle. Where you know, and and with a dog, you know, there's a great phrase which I love, which is we we, we need to listen to their whispers, so we don't have to listen to them when they shout. Yeah. So listen. So look for the body language, so you don't have to wait for when they bite you. And um, what uh, what dogs are constantly doing is they're showing us and telling us things through their body language constantly. Yeah. Um. So uh, a dog can be uh can be aggressive. Uh, but then that that word is really aggressive it's Mm. really loaded it's like people go oh a dog went for my dog the other day I'm Mm. like okay let's let's talk about what happened did there you go that's 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 (laughs) that's the noise of two of the puppies in my garden having a play fight Um, (laughs) one of them one of them is a lot more reactive she's very he's he's very very young and he makes uh, he sounds like he's being impaled on a spike when he's just being like a little yelp when they're playing for something so it can be a question of I had a bad association with something. It can be I came from a bad place and I don't want to go through that anymore. Um, uh, it can be I haven't been socialized well enough, so I don't know how to uh, I don't know how to show the signals across. Like I always say, you take a sixteen year old cave boy 
who's like big kid and you bring him out of a cave and you take him straight to a cocktail party <laughs> he's not gonna know how not to take the canapes and sure. the champagne he's gonna grab people's asses and get into fights and yeah. eat the food and yeah because he hasn't been shown how to do it he wasn't born with the ability to know how to behave yeah um and so therefore like if you can some 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 dogs are, we're like they're like us. some dogs just don't want to hang out with other dogs that's fine yeah but so you, you need to f- identify what your dog is like yeah and some dogs all they want to do is play with other dogs yeah and, and everything in between so identify what there is and nurture it but also be like okay but at some point you're going to need to spend time with other dogs so why don't we just make sure that the dogs that i introduce you to are ones that are well socialized that have great body language that aren't going to be overly um uh you know over the top with the dog they're going to give you space and i'm lucky because i have access to dozens and dozens and dozens of different dogs and i always have done since i've been working with them mm. and what, you can see on your you've you've had videos you can see videos <laughs> of you like training an aggressive dog to being a purely docile and, and adorable playful little thing you know just by the work that you do with them so you know it is just about that connection and, and building and, and i suppose you know we can teach old, old dogs new tricks and and dogs can be 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 taught how to be which is even ridiculous in that sense but like it to use your analogy of like the cave boy going to a cocktail party you know um you can you which can... like me going to a cocktail party <laughs> <laughs> but um oh my god we've talked so much and I feel like we haven't talked about loads of things like your like the work that you're doing in schools and you know the all of the work that you've been doing and like I mean there's so much that we have been because you've been pumping about. me for dog training advice that's why <laughs> not at all I don't need any dog training advice excuse me exactly there we go. perfectly well trained thank exactly. you and that raw that raw confidence is a, that's always a help that's always a help as well yeah absolutely no it's been really good to 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 chat I mean you know I think as I say I feel bad because there's so much more that we could talk about um and I'm just conscious of your time as well but um for anyone who wants to kind of find you to maybe work with you, maybe to 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 um, rehome a dog, because I know you are doing a lot. You are looking for a, a home at the moment for it that you wrote a song for, which I saw across your social media. Wolfie, is that it that you're uh, trying to? Uh, yeah, I, I, there's a there's a very uh, interesting and uh, very impressive uh, young lady who's part uh, mostly English, but she's got a Greek family. She lives in Lefkada, which is a different part of Greece. She's called Charlie. She's got a, a charity called the Art Animal Sanctuary, I think it's called. You can find it on uh, on Instagram. She contacted me about uh, doing some some training with some dogs that come across her because she's very similar to me. She's shown herself to want to help out animals, so therefore she gets constantly a kind of misused by people who just dump dogs on her, uh, you know, outside her house and stuff like that, which is awful. But yeah, I mean, essentially the the, the main the main things that I do are dog rehabilitation and dog rehoming so you can find out um about that on my instagram page which is just positive pet project there's loads of uh, information about the stuff i've done on there um the course which i've created which is um is taking about a year to put together but it's all about there's loads of practical stuff on there but it's mostly about mindset and philosophy and the way to kind of change the way you think about what you're doing with your dog uh and it can really oh there's chico <laughs> Uh, the big bad wolf anything around he thinks it's dinner time it's not uh, <laughs> I, I should teach him to read the uh, the clock yet so uh yeah it's that's um positivepetacademy.com and that is like it's super inclusive for anyone who just wants some information also you can contact me directly through there if you want to uh if you just want to have a question I've, i'm also really lucky i'm part of a group called the inter rescue group which i'm an ambassador for 
This is an international organization um, that also have access to loads of brilliant uh, behaviorists and trainers. So any problems that you have, you can come through me. And if, if, if it's something that's not in my remit, I'll pass you on to someone who, in whose remit it is. But also the course is, uh, it's about as extensive as you can get if you just want to get your head around the tools you need to uh, to do, um, you know, to bring a, a dog into your life and uh, to have the best possible rapport with it. So Brilliant. you can find uh, about the information on that. And and this year I'll be doing another uh, I'll be doing another uh, curriculum course in the Greek uh, ministry for for primary school children, teaching them about the importance of uh, looking after animals. So that's that's my kind of short term project amazing amazing and it would be so good to have that in in, in ireland and i mean in, to bring that internationally john are they do they do anything like that in the uk do you know in terms of teaching children well look that, that is that is my this is something this is my my overarching ambition is to create a template based around uh, uh an education program uh, that incorporates uh, shelters as well so you create dialogue between shelters and educational institutions so it becomes they become connected you can tell stories which in turn helps children to invest more in the idea of rescuing animals and and just basically making animal shelters obsolete you know that's the ultimate thing you want to do you, you know we're gonna we're gonna celebrate when there's no more dogs in shelters you know what i mean and that's yeah. even though it's a long way off you still got to think like that i think with the with if you want to be ambitious so uh, yeah, the idea is to create a template. So it, you you have the book, you have the education program, you train volunteers uh, to go into schools and do this work, and then eventually you're trying to create a more empathetic kind of um, generation of animal you know guardians in the future. So that's that's the idea. So I've I've, I've had some interest from uh, from an organisation in Uganda. I've had an, some interest in an organisation in Romania. So the idea is to to really make show people the results and how it works in Greece, and then uh, and then roll it out. That's that's my grand plan. Amazing, amazing. That sounds great. And not just uh, I'd I'd imagine that work within uh, primary school children, not just show them how to care more for animals, but actually in turn that education would also create better empathy for humans as well. And just yeah, it's 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 a, it's a, it's a soft skills project that's that's yeah. what that's what it's called it's a, it's a it's a it's the dog is kind of again it's a little bit almost it's not the main thing about it the main thing is is like what does our relationship with an animal teach us about ourselves it teaches us right. about consistency kindness uh you know having boundaries uh learning to, to to care for people if they're you know being bullied or whatever and, and all of these things we learn from our relationship with animals that's that that is exactly what the project's about mm. I have to say, and I'd like to go now, but I do have to say the kids around here, they're always, when they see Molly, they'll go, can I pet your dog? <laughs> and they, they're very polite about it. So kids are kind of, they're going, can I pet your dog? And I'll say, only if she wants to, but she's a little bit shy. And they'll go, oh, she's a bit shy. Oh no, she's shy. You know, and they'll tell their friends, don't, she doesn't want to be pet. And they're, you know, but like, obviously not. Yeah, often. that's great. That's progress. That's progress. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's brilliant. yeah. Yeah, you, exactly. you, that doesn't happen so much in Greece. But, <laughs> no, I don't imagine. But, uh, but you know, we're, we're working towards it, and you yeah, you can't you can't, yeah. you can't uh, give up on people. Yeah, no. And just if anybody wanted to adopt any dogs, I mean, the, you do offer a pro, you know, you offer an opportunity for people to adopt overseas, right? Of you course, know? yeah. I mean, yeah. most of the dogs I I rehome with, they they either go to Finland, Holland, Germany, mm. or England. Wow. Um, so um you know it, it's it's uh but also what i'm what i offer also offer and this is hoping that my girlfriend doesn't mind too much but um if, if people want to 
rehome a dog that I'm personally working with. So I've got a dog, Wolfie, who's from uh, Left Cutter, who's like a Malinois cross. He's very beautiful. sweet. Very, He's very gorgeous. Yeah. You can see him on the Positive Pet Project Instagram posts. Yeah. So I'll say, if you're really interested in also learning about some of my techniques, like come to come to Greece. Wow. I'll put you up in my house for a couple of days. Wow. I'm going to show you firsthand about how I work. I'm going to introduce you to the dog firsthand. And then what we're going to do is if you want to continue with the adoption, we're going to sort out the pet passport. And we'll and when you fly back to wherever you come from, you can fly back with me. Amazing, amazing! I love that. That's so great. <laughs> so yeah, God, you're going to be flooded with with people now wanting to come and stay in here. <laughs> well, look, it, you know, it's it, it, all of these things are positive. They have a positive ripple effect. So yeah. you know, there's if if I'm inundated and it puts me out a little bit, but I've created something that's worthwhile and 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 something that people want to talk about. So I've, you know, I, I want people to be talking about these projects. I want people to be posting them on their social media contacting newspapers and tv companies and saying look at what these people are trying to do and making it into a thing because mm. you know these things can catch fire and mm. that's that's what we want we want we want positivity to be to be spread because it and is they, and they can also then go, go and see you in a rock band that night as well then right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <true> as well. <laughs> <laughs> there's no end to your talents john no end oh my goodness <laughs> Um, okay, look, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for being... Um... Leave me with my pint of vodka. <laughs> um, thanks so much. Um, it's been so lovely to catch up, to hear your story. It's so inspiring, so inspirational. As I said, you you hit so many pillars from the point of view of solo powered in terms of doing what you're passionate about, going on adventures, dropping everything to go to a, an elephant sanctuary in Zambia, um, you know, creating a life for yourself, whether you know that be through yoga, you know, showcasing that you can make money doing things that you love to do, but also talking about the joy and the pleasure that can be had from having a dog. If being a solo person is something that you are and you want to have the most wonderful companion that you could ever have. Have that doesn't talk back <laughs> verbally uh, they talk back let me tell you molly has a way of communicating with me not just through bark but through her ears her eyes her her, her body language um so yeah it's it, i can't recommend dog ownership enough um but it's a responsible dog ownership that's important and um it's great that there's people like you that are able to help people to um to create those bonds and relationships and help dogs find loving homes so thanks for the work that you're doing it's great it's my pleasure and it's been really great to reconnect and i'm, I'm following your uh, your progress with interest and hopefully we can we can continue to collaborate and uh, in the future and I don't see any reason why we can't because we, we have so, so many similar things in, in common and uh, and I think it'll be interesting to to see these things uh, dovetail as time absolutely goes. brilliant thank you so much take care thank you so much cheers <laughs>